This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition. I talk about a lot with my friends, too, about sort of the, the biggest thing with self-care for me is the way that we kind of talk to ourselves and, and treat ourselves and, and being sort of with kindness. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Laura Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Jamie Rosen. Jamie is the beauty director of Town & Country Magazine, a position she's held for seven years during a time of dramatic transformation at the 170-year-old title. The content Jamie creates and oversees at Town & Country links beauty with health and wellness at the luxury level. In 2016, Jamie brought this content to life with TNC Talks, a series of live panel discussions on health and wellness in cities from Miami to Seattle, which is where she and I first met. Thanks so much for being here, Jamie. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all the way from New York. So uh, yeah, so we did we did get to meet around this time last year in Seattle. Yeah, I guess it was. Has it been? I can't even remember when that was, but. but yeah, and I haven't been to New York in ages. But but yeah, I'm excited to to have you on the podcast for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, I think um, just in terms of your uh, your work and um, working for you know a, in a fairly high stress industry <laughs> um, that I can say <laughs> with some certainty because I come from that industry. Um, yeah, and and also because of your you know personal and professional interest in sort of the connection between beauty and health. So let's start mm-hmm. with, you know, I, I know you began your career at W Magazine where you were actually jewelry mm-hmm. and watches editor. Um, and yep. I'm curious to know how, and, and I guess why you transitioned to the beauty and health space. Sure. So I, my first job in New York was at W. I was an intern there and I interned there in New York and then I interned in Paris. And so it's sort of where I grew up professionally. And it was just the kind of place where if you had an idea for something, you could really try it and they would, you know, you pitch something. And even if it wasn't in sort of the category that you were working in, you kind of just went off and did it. And so I was really lucky in that I kind of moved through a couple of different departments there. And um, when I was a jewelry editor, I had a couple ideas for beauty. I sat near the beauty department and um, and really liked the beauty director there, Jane Markworthy. And I had, I think, two of the first ideas I had. One was um, there was a woman, a freelance stylist, who was in the office a lot, and she, her name's Sarah Harris. She's now the uh, fashion features director at British Vogue. And she was really young, maybe in her late 20s, but she had this really long sort of lavender gray hair. And this is a long time ago <laughs> before um, before people were sort of dyeing their hair with those colors and it was sort of yeah. normal. And I was kind of fascinated by it and just the idea of women who choose to either naturally let their hair go gray or sort of seek it out themselves, and it, which is what she did. And so anyway, I pitched a story about that and wrote it and uh, it was really fun and I got to interview Jamie Lee Curtis and the model Carmen Delorfice and um, who both have gray hair and so that I did that one and then I did another one a sort of fitness related one about 
can you ever change the size of your calves? Because I, <laughs> I couldn't find a pair of knee-high boots. And it wasn't like a weight thing. It was strictly like, could I, you know, is this something we can do? Or is this just like, you know, so far, far out of, uh, you know, where we are in terms of aesthetic uh, differences. So anyway, that's totally. how I started. And um, it kind of led to the job. And it was kind of a long process. I you know, it's a long story, but, um, anyway, that was sort of my, those are my first beauty stories. And I just loved the kind of the combination of, you know, sort of the cultural commentary of it and how the decisions that we make from a beauty and sort of outward appearance perspective are, are sort of reflections of how we're feeling internally. And so I, yeah, that's sort of how I got started. That's so interesting. And I love that the story that you pitched was specifically related to a feature that is associated with age. That's, you know, that's mm -hmm. super cool. I actually, um, I'm forgetting her name. She's a um, model as well. Cindy. Oh my goodness. She was a, um, she was a model for Dolce & Gabbana for years. I met her in New York. We have a mutual friend. Anyway, I'm drawing a total blank on her last name. Um, but she was, you know, she's also someone who went gray fairly early mm -hmm. and, you know, has long gray hair and, and really sort of revels in that. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually curious, given that that was your, your, the first story that you pitched, what are your thoughts around this term anti-aging in the, in the cosmetics industry? Yeah, well, it's a big topic of conversation in, in the beauty industry at the moment. So at Town & Country, we actually kind of stopped using the word anti-aging in the mm -hmm. magazine about like a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't feel like it's... And, and since then, um, Allure, you know, sort of stopped using it, which is really mm -hmm. a big deal for sort of the beauty magazine in our industry to stop using it. Um, and so it's definitely a topic of conversation of, you know, how people feel. I, I think that you know, I don't think it's a very productive word necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't think that, I just think there are so many other ways to talk about what we want to achieve in the way we look than anti-aging because the truth is it doesn't exist. We're all aging all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, as many doctors will sort of remind you when you bring that term up. So <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of using it, but that said, you know, I don't, I think I think shifts in language can be really powerful. And I think that sort of the, the sort of us not using that term as much is a step in the right direction. But I don't necessarily think that means women don't want, you know, want to kind of um, embrace every single line on their face, let's say. Sure, um, sure. So I think that I don't necessarily think it, it's indicative of, um, you know, a lack of wanting to, maybe not have all the signs of aging show up on, you know, every single day. But mm -hmm. um, I do think it's kind of a, a powerful step in kind of changing our ideas about how we age. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, gosh, I mean, even if, even if, you know, you're not a fan of that term, I mean, yeah, like I don't, I'm going to try to minimize certain, <laughs> certain signs of aging right. for sure, yeah. you know, and, and I'm not embarrassed by that. Personal choice. You don't, yeah. you know, you don't have to, or you do, or it, it, it's obviously really personal, but um, I just think there's other ways to to talk about it. And in a way, actually, that's more realistic too. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, the power of language, it's, it's especially with topics like this, I think, yeah, that's a really, a really good point. I'm curious how you see, um, well, a couple of things, how do you define beauty personally and, and professionally, if you want to answer that too, and, and how do you see beauty and health connected? Sure. So, okay. So in terms of defining beauty, I, I guess I could sort of probably write a book about this, but, um, <laughs> 
I think that, you know, I ultimately think beauty has a lot to do with things that make us feel. Um, so things that kind of move us in a way or and it, it, whether it's physically or spiritually or emotionally, um, I think they're sort of really inextricably, inextricably linked. Um, mm-hmm. But I also, I, I think what's so great about sort of beauty as kind of an industry term right now is that it doesn't mean any one thing, that it's sort of this very, very broad, you know, individual set of characteristics that don't mean the same thing for every single person. And that I just think it's, I just think it's such a broad term that kind of, you know, I think that showing individual types of beauty that don't fit, you know, a standard set of ideas that we Mm -hmm. used to think of as beautiful is, is a very kind of important, you know, an important thing in our culture. And we, you know, have a very diverse, culture. And I think that should be celebrated in sort of the way we think about beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you approach that at Town & Country? I mean, given the the history of, of the magazine, I mean, you know, 170 years old, it obviously has changed quite a lot. How has mm-hmm. your approach to the definition yeah. of beauty changed in the time that you've been there? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, in the, in the time that we've been there to your, to your latter question, I think that we've really tried to bring in the idea of beauty as kind of a a holistic thing. So it's not just about, you know, a certain color of lipstick, but it's also about the way you're treating your body and uh, Mm -hmm. what you're eating and how you're working out. And it's because it's town and country, it's maybe also how you're traveling and, you know, where you're going and what you're seeking out. So I think we really try to, to kind of incorporate beauty from, you know, every level from, yes, of course, the physical, and we are talking about, you know, the newest products and trends and Mm -hmm. things women are doing in the name of beauty, but also uh, we're also covering sort of this widening category in beauty, which is very linked to sort of wellness and ingestible beauty and and taking things internally that can sort of have an effect on the way we look externally. I love that term ingestible beauty. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big sort of growing category. I mean, I guess you could also say it's like wellness, but it's it's, you know, a lot of different supplements and powders and elixirs and tonics and teas and all of these things that um are made with kind of interesting ingredients that some we know a lot about and some we're kind of just starting to learn about. Some are more scientifically proven than others, but mm-hmm. um there are a lot of really interesting things happening in that space. And and yeah, I think it'll I think it's gonna be a bigger category in, in the years to come. I think I'm gonna start using that with my clients, like just to refer to good food. <laughs> it's ingestible beauty. I love that. <laughs> yeah. No, That's there's, so, there's great. so much out there. There really is. It's yeah. interesting. Well, and I read, you know, you wrote an article in May of 2017 called Mm -hmm. the most sought after beauty gurus across the country. And I thought what was so interesting about that article is that um, they weren't just beauty gurus. Many of them were wellness Mm -hmm. gurus. And I would Mm -hmm. love to hear more about, you know, what you're willing to share about your experience researching and writing that article and maybe what was surprising about it. Yeah, so that was a really, really fun uh, section to put together, um, which I did with Meg Storm, who works with me in the beauty department at Town & Country. Um, So we, you know, we had this May beauty issue every year, which is sort of, you know, the entire issue is devoted to beauty. And we were just talking about this idea that people really look to certain professionals and, you know, as the, the people we covered in this section have a huge range of expertise, but that we've been noticing that women 
particularly some men, are really looking to certain professionals in different areas and not necessarily the ones you'd expect to sort of guide them in all of their lifestyle choices. So, you know, maybe there was a trainer who also puts her clients on a, you know, healthy eating plan and recommends what skincare products to use. And we just found that there were these people who were these sort of modern day gurus that mm-hmm. had a lot of, they had these sort of followings. And in many cases, they had kind of developed their own methods within whatever their professional expertise was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to highlight some of them, but they, as you mentioned, there there was a really wide range of, of backgrounds. So we had everything from a dermatologist who is, you know, practices in New York, but also developed a skincare product with Chanel for sensitive skin to a crystal healer, because that is a big topic of conversation in the world of (laughs) beauty and wellness right now, um, to fitness trainers and a shaman. And and we kind of tried Mm -hmm. to cover the people whose names we were kind of hearing over and over again. And in some cases we, you know, we knew some of them ourselves as well. So it was, it was really, really fun to put together and it was kind of, um, shocking in how many different disciplines there were, but I felt like, and this is something Meg and I talked about a lot when we were doing it, is that the link between them all was this idea that they didn't, they were all sort of thought leaders in their field, but they didn't accept sort of the previously held ideas about how to treat various issues or, you know, improved things um, that had sort of come before them and that they kind of were supporting their own paths and and sort of gaining a, a big following in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find that, um, and I'm trying to remember, I was looking back at the article the other day. Mm-hmm. Did you find that um, there was this sort of thread of a more holistic approach? I think you may have mentioned that, but is was that something yeah, that you noticed? Yeah, I think that yeah, I think even with some of the doctors we talked to, plastic surgeons, dermatologists, you know, a lot of them talked about the fact that they, I can't remember if this is someone that was specifically in this package or elsewhere, but it's something we hear from doctors. This is just an example, that they won't necessarily do an, an operation on someone until they talk about sort of their their diet and the way mm-hmm. they're eating. And mm-hmm. um, so it's this idea that, yeah, I think that absolutely none of these people are treating specifically the thing that they're sort of trained to do. And and obviously to, in order to do that, you have to be responsible about that. And mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to be, you know, recommending things that, um, you know, that maybe should also have some other professionals laying in on. But I do think that, yes, a lot of these people are treating things from many different angles. So in that sense. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's a really good point too. I think that people, you know, I think it's important as consumers of, of, you know, folks like that or, or just products that we, yeah, are aware of like what their sort of education is and where the, where their scope of practice begins and ends. Yeah. It's definitely something that I see in the coaching world where people spill over into, into other disciplines, um, Mm -hmm. a little bit more fluidly than they, than they probably should. But, uh, but Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I want to shift gears a little bit here um, and talk about uh, about you personally and, and kind of how sure. you personally define self-care or well-being, however you want to look at that at this point in your life and if that's different from how you maybe used to define it. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like the term self-care is sort of new in a way. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think you know, it's such a big topic of conversation now and and obviously pertains to the way we care for ourselves, literally. But I don't really think I gave too much thought to it in a, I don't know, regimented way Mm -hmm. um, until recently. And I guess I also have the professional luxury of kind of 
some of the stuff that I do in the name of self-care is also, you know, stuff that I'm experimenting with, you know, sure. from a work perspective. So I feel yeah. like I'm pretty lucky in that department. But, you know, for me, I, I definitely think that it has a lot to do. And this is just something I talk about a lot with my friends too, about sort of the the biggest thing with self-care for me is the way that we kind of talk to ourselves and, and treat ourselves mm-hmm. and, and being sort of with kindness and not in a way of, of absolute permissiveness at all times. But mm-hmm. I think, um, I think that a lot of people are really hard on themselves and um, sometimes it's for good reason. But I think that self-care has a lot to do with the way that you treat yourself. And, and so some of that is mentally, um, for me, self-care and well-being also has a lot to do with the way I eat mm-hmm. and sort of the the way that I know I should be eating sort of to feel a certain way. And um, and I think also, you know, having kids really changed my personal definition of self-care because it sounds that there are a lot of times like a very selfish thing. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're not taking care of yourself from a sleep perspective and eating well perspective, you're not able to sort of be present for the other people in your life and be present at a, at a professional level as well. So, um, so I think it's pretty important, but I think it, it can, it can sound like a luxury and, and I guess in some cases it is, but it's also necessary to sort of show up for your life in the way that, that you should. Yeah, no, I obviously couldn't agree more. I mean, that's sort of like the whole premise of of this podcast is sort of connecting those dots. And and I love mm-hmm. that you that you brought up the idea of how you sort of treat yourself from a mindset and mental perspective. I see that a lot, and I'm especially glad to hear you say that because you are a professional woman in New York, where I think um, you know a high achieving woman, right? I mean, and I think that high mm-hmm. achieving women in particular can be very hard on themselves. I speak for myself as well, and you know, to your point, sure. that's a big piece of it. That that self-compassion piece. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, how do you see that show up for you? Like what happens differently on days where you're able to cultivate that versus days that you're not? Yeah. I think, I think there's just sort of, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it definitely doesn't mean that I am able to cultivate that every day, by the way, I would sure, say. Of course not. Um, yeah. It's just not realistic. But on the days that I'm able to sort of recognize that, I think there's just, you know, an ability to kind of recognize, you know, what's happening around you and kind of think about what your role is in it. And, you know, be, I think there's just like a productiveness to your thought pattern that Mm. can be very helpful. And I think when you sort of, um, you know, I think you can easily kind of let your sort of negative thoughts get in the way of just, being productive mm-hmm. in, in my view. And I think there's, um, so I find that when I am noticing a lot of kind of negative thought patterns, I do try to kind of take a step back and like re- hit the reset button a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If that, if that yeah. makes any sense. I don't, yeah. know, it really, I don't really talk about this a lot. No, I know. Um, I know, right? So it I feel it's... like it's hard to put into words, but it is something <laughs> I'm aware of um, mm-hmm. and conscious about. And of course, you know, I, I keep saying that I'm going to, you know, start meditating, but that hasn't quite made its way to my daily, um, my daily habits as much as I would like to. So, you know, I do, I do try to do some like breathing exercises though that are pretty short and just, Mm -hmm. um, really simple when I want uh, to sort of take a moment 
to kind of hit that reset button. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, in my experience, you know, my observation is that when just bringing awareness to it, like just noticing Mm -hmm. that you're saying Mm -hmm. mean things to yourself, (laughs) right. Uh, can be enough to dissipate it. So I think that, you Mm -hmm. know, I think you're, it sounds to me like you're on the right track and yeah. What, what's gotten in the way of your um, meditation practice? I'm curious because I hear that a lot too. So, well, I think, so this is a true and sort of embarrassing story, but when I um, went back to work after having my first child, I had the app Headspace on my phone yeah. and I was so into yeah. it. I met with the founder. I thought it was awesome. It's guided <laughs> meditations that you do every day for 10 minutes a day. And I was like, oh, I could totally do that. So I put a reminder on my phone to go off at 9.05 every day. And mm-hmm. I just I got that reminder every day for like two years and it just didn't happen. And I was just, cause I just felt like in the morning I was so busy and I was trying to spend time with my son and get ready for work. And it just, it just straight up did not happen. And, and yeah. then the idea of doing it during the day didn't happen. And then you're not really supposed to meditate at night, or at least that's what I was told. So it just didn't happen. And I was telling this to somebody and they said, you know, you should try this thing called four, seven, eight breathing where you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for seven seconds and you let it out for eight seconds. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like freed me in a lot of ways because I was like trying to set aside 10, 15, 20 minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, there's certainly times in my day where I'm not productive for that many minutes and probably more, but, um, but just setting aside the time to do it just wasn't happening. So the four, seven, eight breathing was kind of like this freeing thing of like, okay, I'm going to just do this. And I, I do it like at random times on the subway or in, you know, just in the middle of the day or whatever. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so funny. That's one of the exercises I teach my clients in my Vibrant Health oh, Playbook awesome. program because for that same reason, and you're right, it is very freeing. Like you can do it anywhere and it, and it, you know, yeah. just sort of brings things down a notch. I'll put a, a link to, to a tutorial on that in the, in the show notes. Cause I think that, um, that's such a great, a great way to kind yeah. of manage. That, well, so I'm not you, doing it this way, but. Did you, you hear from a lot of clients that they can't, they don't have time to meditate. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I see with meditation in particular is there's a lot of curiosity about it, um, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of I think misconceptions about like, well, you know, I'm not going to sit on a cushion and close my eyes for ten minutes every day, and and sort of the way that. Um, that it works very well for some of my clients is sort of reframing it as, well, it doesn't have to be that. It could be like, and even for me, I mean, I do have a, a fairly regular meditation practice, but some days it doesn't involve me sitting and closing my eyes. Some days, some days you know, if I'm going to go for a run, I turn a portion of that run into sort of a moving meditation. Or, you know, maybe I'm just going to enjoy my coffee and really, really notice the coffee and that yeah. becomes the meditation, right? And, and in your case, oh, I you get a lot of meditation in with that. Right? There coffee you go, med- right? Coffee meditation. <laughs> coffee meditation. Totally. Yeah. I think it's just bringing awareness, right? I mean, I think it can be as simple as that. And I think we get caught up in, especially again, those of us who are used to kind of um, having a framework and achieving and whatever, we sometimes box ourselves in. And it's, you know, your example was perfect. You had boxed yourself into this one way of doing it. And then you discovered another Mm way um, and made that work for you. In your quest to reactivate the confident, healthy, and powerful you, you've hit a few snacks. Eating better takes planning. Exercising more takes time. Getting more sleep? Yeah, right. What if you could clear the number one most challenging hurdle standing in your way? That's why I created Kickstart Sessions. Together, we'll identify your number one challenge from the three most common I see my clients face, eating better, exercising more, and managing stress. Then we'll create a plan for you to tackle it. 
you'll leave our session with three specific steps you can take right now to begin moving towards your most confident, healthy, and powerful you. Visit laradolch.com slash kickstart dash sessions. That's sessions with an S on the end to learn more and book your kickstart session today. laradolch.com slash kickstart dash sessions. Speaking of, of daily habits, what daily habits mm-hmm. do you think you have right now that most contribute to that ability you were talking about earlier to show up in your work and in your um, personal life? Yeah. I mean, as I said, for me, eating well is a huge part of it. And it doesn't mean that I do it every day because, of course, we're speaking um, not long after Thanksgiving and, and sort of a weekend of <laughs> yeah. a bit of overindulgence. Um, but I do notice that when I'm eating you know, in, in a way that kind of really feeds my body and in like a, you know, which isn't to say that it's like a hundred percent clean, but when it sort of is limiting sugar and carbs and, Mm um, alcohol, which I don't really drink a ton, but you know, just in a, in like a everyday sense, um, I find that I just feel better. And when I drink a lot of water, I feel better. And, when I am sort of more aware and do a little bit of planning for knowing what I'm going to eat, I also am a little bit kind of calmer, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just think I've, I've struggled my whole life with sort of eating properly on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And it's really something that I just still, it still work. It's still not, it doesn't come easy all the time, but it's so... I, I so reap the benefits of it when I'm I'm doing it. Yeah. What do you do to to make that easier for yourself? I mean, obviously, I have a million things that I teach my clients, but I'm always curious to know what, sure. what each yeah, individual no, this does. Is your totally your your domain. Um, well, for me, I mean, there's certain just like a certain you know, I, I, there's just certain foods that I go back to all the time, and it's really just. Yeah vegetable heavy. So, you know, if I start, if I start the day with like scrambled eggs or scrambled eggs and avocado or a smoothie, I, for me, that's like a good start to the day. And then, um, I mean, I drink a lot of coffee, but I'm never giving that up. So that's going nowhere. Well, and actually you'll be happy um, to know that most of the research now has way more benefits than the negatives for coffee. There are a lot of misconceptions about coffee being unhealthy. That's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so um, and I have willed myself kind of, you know, I don't, use any artificial sweetener. And I, you know, I, I try to really avoid processed foods. And, um, so yeah, so, so sort of certain specific foods, but then also just really doing a little planning. Cause I do, I do love to cook and prefer to cook, but it doesn't always happen. So mm-hmm. if I'm able to like plan a little bit over the weekend and so that I know that I'm going to, you know, have a few home cooked meals, um, during the week, that is really helpful for me too. And yeah, I think just a little bit of planning, which is difficult to do at times, but, um, but definitely, uh, it's helpful when I'm able to do it. Yeah. And what do you notice on the, the weeks or the days that you are able to sort of eat in a way that feels good? What's different about your day? Well, I think my mood is much better overall. Mm -hmm. Um, I have more energy, a little more focus and, you know, I just don't feel as sluggish, which like, Mm -hmm. you know, is just, it's it, it's a noticeable difference, I would say, yeah. for me. So I yeah. know that, like, I know sort of that simply doing that is like makes me show up more and and you know have the ability to be more present in in sort of day to day interactions with people. 
Yeah. Yeah. So if you do one, if you only do one thing, it sounds like for you, that's the thing. Yeah. Totally in another realm, but something that I've been doing lately that I love is we're working on a story about essential oils and, um, Mm -hmm. I have this like tension remedy essential oil at my desk and I put it on in the afternoon and I, it is that like little, almost like 10 second meditation of like taking a minute and like hitting that, you know, again, I feel like I said this 16 times, but like hitting the reset button of just like, okay, just having a couple of breaths and like, so, and I, it has the one I've been using has like a peppermint in it, a peppermint oil in it. Mm-hmm. And I just feel it for like a couple minutes afterwards. And it just, it feels really good. It just kind of makes me breathe a little bit more deeply for a couple of minutes. And it just really calms me down in a way. Yeah. I love that idea. I actually, I haven't really gotten into essential oil, oils, although I absolutely recognize the power of scent and that's, that's a great idea just to keep that at your desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well, there's that. an interesting story coming in the next issue. Of, yeah, February issue of Town and Country. Oh, good. So, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. We'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Do you have any kind yeah. of morning ritual that, that involves self-care? Um, well, I have two little boys. So <laughs> my my morning rituals around self-care are, in the mornings at least, are pretty um, hurried. But I will say that... Many mornings, I make smoothies either for them or myself or all of us. And mm-hmm. sometimes that does mean making three smoothies, three different smoothies, which is <laughs> not what you're supposed to do as a parent when you're feeding your children. But um, <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's a story for another day. Um, everyone has some things they like. Yeah, making smoothies in the morning, sometimes I have time. Sometimes I'll like do the lemon water thing in the morning, although I don't necessarily do that every single day. Um mm-hmm. And I, I've tried so hard to get into taking vitamins and I just can't get on board. And I just, (laughs) I, I'm not going to, it's not for lack of trying or for having a million things at home that I could use. But, um, it's also why the ingestible beauty thing I brought up earlier Mm -hmm. kind of tends to happen for me a little bit more because the format of a lot of the products are sort of these powders. And I Mm -hmm. find that, you know, I like mix them into my yogurt or I, I tend to use them more basically than I do pills. I just, don't take pills. I'm really bad about it. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a good point, though. I like that for you know. Yeah, it's just just the different formats enough to get you to mm-hmm. use them and enjoy them. Yeah, it I sounds mean, it's like sort of compliance is a huge issue in beauty in general. I would say, mm-hmm. and I always tell people this when they ask me about like what skincare they should use or how many steps they need to do, and it it just comes down to the fact of if you're not going to use it, then just don't buy it. You know, yeah. you have to kind of know what you have the sort of will to do. And for some people, that's a 10-step skincare regimen. And for other people, it's a one-step or it's a powder versus a pill. So yeah, I do think that, that, that those things really matter in terms of your ability to actually do something. Totally. And I, I, I think the same thing about food and exercise. I mean, food, it's a little mm-hmm. trickier because, you know, healthy food is healthy food, but um, everyone's a little bit different. And there are lot, there's so many options with both food and exercise, like don't force yourself to do something that you totally. don't enjoy. I mean, or that you're not going to yeah. do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you do for exercise that you actually enjoy? What do I do? Uh, well, I'm a runner. So I, and I've okay. been a runner for many, many years, although, you know, I'm not, I, I kind of come in and out of it depending on what else is going on. And, and sometimes I get bored, but I always come back to it. So yeah, that's the big, that's the steady thing for me. But yeah, I mean, I do it because it's low maintenance, honestly, like you put your mm-hmm. shoes on and you walk out the door. <laughs> and so yeah, I personally no, have learned great. that I'm not going to go to, you know, a gym. I, I don't like gyms. I, you know, I go through mm-hmm. phases where I'll sometimes take classes at like flywheel or something like that, you know, 
cycling and, and, but then I'll, I'll, I'll inevitably come back to running because it's just me and the shoes yeah. and the, and the front door. So, and that's, that's a great. perfect example, right? You got to experiment to find what, what works mm-hmm. for you. What about you? What's your, what's your exercise love these days? Um, <laughs> well, I hate running. <laughs> yes. Many so people do. A, <laughs> I wish I did because I think it's such an amazing way to see a city when you travel. And yeah. I always think that when I, when I'm, you know, going somewhere, but, um, I really love doing yoga and yeah. that for me is the thing I always go back to. So, you know, it's been, somewhat of a, cha- the, the classes that I used to go to before having kids were like these two hour long classes. And I just don't, I just, they just don't happen for me yeah, anymore. Totally. So if I ever, if I'm ever traveling, in fact, I think when I was in Seattle and I was, saw you, I did a class because I was like traveling for work and I was by myself and I, I went to a really long class at night, but, um, I always, yeah. So that's the thing I sort of whenever I have the time to do it, that's what I choose to do. That's actually, mm-hmm. and that it really is what I like the most. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of yoga too. That's probably the other thing that that's, those are kind of the two constants and then everything else comes and goes. So that's, yeah. that's great. What I, so I'm curious yeah. to know what you think about the idea of work-life balance. Do you think it's possible? Um, I don't know. This is something I talk a lot about with my friends. I feel like it's sort of, I feel like it's, challenging. I think we, we spend a lot of time at work, you know, we spend a lot mm-hmm. of time working and especially now, you know, we, um, you know, we're, we can be working all the time, 24 seven, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think work-life balance is like necessary. And I think there's just, I think for me, it's all about learning to say no. And I mm-hmm. think it's just a big part of growing up as a person. And, you know, if you want to have, if you don't, you know, if you don't sort of prioritize your personal life and you don't say no to every single commitment that you're asked to, and, you know, you can easily not have that. So I think you have to want it and you have to, yeah, I I feel like as much as, you know, I do feel like I work a lot, I I do feel like I have work-life balance and it's because I say no a lot and Mm -hmm. I feel totally comfortable with that. And it also means saying no to things that I want to do sometimes that are fun, but that for me, it's like an easy answer because I know that, you know, I don't really want to be out more than two or three nights a week maximum. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to be able to put my kids to bed and I want to be able to take my younger son to school in the morning. And so I really try to structure my life around doing those things because that is sort of what's important to me. But I I think Mm -hmm. that, I think it's possible, but I just think it means different things at different times. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you have to recognize that there are times when certain aspects of your life are going to take priority over others. And that's just reality. Yeah, totally. No, I'm glad you said that. I I think that, I think the the word balance is a little bit um, misleading because to your point, Mm -hmm. some, if you, if you define balance as like 50, 50, then that's probably not going to work. Right. At certain times, some things are going to be 80 and the other is going to be 20 and that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. So what is what's next for you? What are you excited about right now? Uh, well, I have to say like in, from a, business perspective and a work perspective, it's a really exciting time to be covering this industry. It's such, it's the industry itself is having sort of this explosive growth and it's, there's so many different categories of sort of what falls under beauty today. And I just love that. I love sort of talking to people in, you know, who are sort of pursuing their passions in this arena and who really, are just thought leaders in their field. And, and so I just sort of, I love being in this space and covering this space right now. And there's just, 
it, it's a very fun time to be doing mm-hmm. this. And, and I think also telling stories, you know, to people, I feel like we're pretty lucky at Town & Country because we know that our readership is really proactive, um, really sort of sophisticated, and, and we don't feel like we have to sort of talk down to them in any way, not that, that any magazine does, but, you know, it's not 101. Like, I feel like I'm able mm-hmm. to kind of really talk to people in a really, um, you know, news-driven and interesting way that isn't just sort of here's some new products on a page. It's really mm-hmm. about telling stories. And, and I think there's a lot, there's just a lot to sort of cover in this world right now. And, and so it's, it is an exciting time. Yeah, no, that's, that's really apparent in the, in the magazine. Now, I think just the storytelling piece of it, because you're right, it's not like, it's not like just slapping a bunch of new beauty products on a page and, and it's, it's sort of mm-hmm. wrapping the story around it. Actually, I have to ask, is there an ingestible yeah. beauty product right now that you particularly love that you can recommend? Sure, sure. <laughs> so there's a lot, but I would say one that I've been, well, there's a couple, there's a lot. One that I've been using for a long time and I just love, especially for traveling is, um, there's a supplement, it's called 8G and it's like a green, it's a green sort of fizzy tablet, kind of like an Alka-Seltzer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all, it's called 8G because there's eight different greens in it and um, including this blue-green algae, which is, um, it's kind of an interesting ingredient. And it's basically just really, really easy to travel with and you put a tablet in your water. Um, it gives you like a little energy boost. And so I love that one. I've been using that one for maybe like two years. Um, not every single day, but I, I almost always have it with me. I always use it when I travel. Um, so that one is great. I, I also love, um, I love natural calm magnesium supplement, which I use at night sometimes. Um, and I also love, there's a bunch of different ones, but I do, I do add, um, collagen powder to my yogurt almost every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that is something that is sort of a really interesting ingredient and coming from different sources, some are marine, some are bovine. But, um, but yeah, it's sort of like treating your skin from the inside out. Nice. I love it. Yeah. And the, I'm particularly curious about the 8G tablet because mm-hmm. as my clients will tell you, I'm obsessed with dark leafy greens. So that's an interesting way yes. to make sure you get it. I have a, a greens powder that I use, but I, um, when oh, I travel, but I, the tablets would be easier <laughs> to, to really carry. Easy. I mean, it's not, it's not like a meal in any way. It's strictly right. sort of, it's almost like in between like a vitamin and this, you know, so it's sort of like a drinkable vitamin in a way. So it's not like filling or caloric, mm-hmm. but it is, um, but it is a way to sort of get in your greens, especially if you're, I, I happen to eat a lot of greens anyway, but, yeah. um, but if you are someone where that's a challenge, I think it's, it's a good option. It's a good thing to have in your arsenal. Yeah. Just as a backup, right. I always say it's better to get mm-hmm. the real stuff, but yeah, that's always good to know about that stuff. That's awesome. Where yeah. can people learn more about you and your work? Um, well, you can read town and country, um, <laughs> every month. Um, and you can also, find a lot of what we do not all of it but um on townandcountrymag.com or on instagram which is um at jamie rosen nyc awesome thank you so much jamie this was so fun thank you no it's really fun thank you so much for having me that's it for this week's episode of women on the rise visit laradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode you can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe in the iTunes store or in Apple podcasts. If you liked what you heard, I so appreciate your reviews and recommendations because they help me reach as many women on the rise as possible. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. 
Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women-forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co-working space, The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Fremont. Neighborhoods, and a third location will open this year in LA. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's CO, slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co, slash women on the rise.